my name is Tamora Lomax. I am the foundational associate professor in the new uh, AAAS department that's African American and African Studies at MSU. And um, so I am a historian uh, of Black religion, I'm also trained in Black studies and Black feminism. And I, so I, my interests here are multiple. I am not one who grew up participating in or knowing about Juneteenth. I didn't learn about it until um, sometime in high school in California, actually. Um, I lived my life between California and New York, and I'd never heard about it in New York. Um, but in California, I remember hearing something about it, but not really uh, understanding what it is. And so as a historian, the thing that I think about Juneteenth is the, um, the multiple attempts at freedom. Right, so you have the first attempt in 1862 with the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation by Abraham Lincoln, um, which declared that enslaved people um, in Confederate states would be free. Um, well, we know, you know, not much happened, but what's interesting about that as a religionist is how the ex-slaves were, um, had they had this Freedom's Eve where they're waiting and this was where we get watch night to learn if they are free or not, because the the original signing said that they should be free as of January 1st, 1863. And so we learned, we know the history here, and that is that they weren't free, but they were waiting. And so thus you get the watch night service that the Black, you still see within the Black church culture, where there's a watch night service, New Year's Eve, um, and many Black church populations. Um, so that's, it's interesting to me for that, um, but also we know that there is then a second attempt, right? With the 13th Amendment assigned um, uh, to the US Constitution passed by Congress in uh, January 31st, 1865 and ratified on December 6th, 1865 um, in the aftermath of the Civil War. And we also know that even after the Civil War, right? All, all of the enslaved were not free. And so this is a common theme of, you know, there being this idea of freedom, but Black folks not being free. And that's something that we're still dealing with today, right? So this, the, the war happens and you have folks in Texas, you know, not even knowing yet, right? This is not a time of social media. Folks are moving uh, by word of mouth. But we also know that the Confederates aren't too keen on, you know, delivering that information. So thus we have on June 19th, 1865, Finally, uh, the ex-slaves or the enslaved um, in Texas, uh, Galveston Bay, I believe, Texas, they learn via Union troops that they are uh, free. Um, so what's interesting to me in my work is what changed? Uh, because that theme, that continuum is still there in terms of, you know, this idea of freedom, but the, but the reality of unfreedom. Um, the Boyce writes, and this is kind of my last point, the Boyce writes in The Souls of Black Folks that the slave, the ex-slaves actually believed that they would experience kind of this promised land that you read about in the Bible um, once they were free. And we know that this was not the case. Um, you just don't move from 400 years of legalized dehumanization um, and the rupturing of families and all kinds of legal doctrine uh, from the Fugitive Slave Acts to 
uh, the partis as secretary venturum, where the, the legal doctrine meaning that, you know, slave continues to the belly of the woman. You don't move from that overnight, right? And so we have the reconstruction years after the civil war. And, and that is where really the, sec the sense of second class citizenship post-slavery is really instituted um, during this time through uh, multiple acts of terrorism and rebellion. And so what's important to me is that yes, there is this celebration, but there's still this delayed sense of gratification in terms of freedom. There's still that. There's, and, and because of basically, yes, there's 400 years of dehumanization, but the laws that were put in place, right? The colonial apparatus is still very much alive. And so that's what's important to me in terms of my work, in terms of noting that and noting how Black folks, free and enslaved, have been forced to navigate um, this idea of freedom while living a life that is truly um, within a context of unfreedom. My name is Dr. Chandra Marshall. I'm the national president of MSU Black Alumni. And first, you know, I would like to salute the student body, you know, really BSA and all of the RSOs that really have been doing excellent and phenomenal work at MSU. I just want to say that, you know, as a Black student leader, a former Black student leader, I admire the work, but yet we still persist. We push, we move forward. And as we think about freedom, I'm just going to, um, you know, Dr. Lomax really shared an a excellent historical perspective. And so I'll just share a little bit about Black alumni and what we're doing and um, go from there. So MSU Black alumni was officially founded in 1980 by four individuals. Laura Baltimore, Betty Nixon Berry, Terry Curley Young, and Beta Dub Washington. And essentially um, in the 1970s, however, there were various individuals in the city of Detroit who held homecoming activities and spearheaded homecoming activities. And those folks include Charles Smith, Dr. James Weathers, and other alumni in Detroit. So under my administration, I have elevated three areas of organizational focus which is engagement, enhancement, and, and evolvement. So we have an endowment which includes several named endowments at the institution. And that actually was started off at one of our first homecoming events um, in October of 1980. And at that event, they passed around a pumpkin and they raised um, money, which included $1,000 to earmark our endowment at, at the institution. And today we have over $2.5 million in endowments with including our general endowment fund and our name endowments. So with Synergy as a foundation, you know, we have really, really, really led our efforts with focusing on MSUBA um, financial advancement with the institution, which is dealing with funding, also MSU hiring, MSU student success, and MSUBA membership. So we are looking back at the institution in true Sankofa form and basically lifting as we climb. And so when I think about freedom to liberation, you know, how is MSUBA helping the institution, helping us get to liberation? You know, are we holding the institution accountable, looking at every policy, practice, rule, hire, program with an anti-Black lens? You know, what I have witnessed under the, the current administration is some progress, but I'm looking forward to see true change. And to me, liberation looks like access, opportunity, pro programming, resources, and freedom. And so the question that 
I like to leave before I pause here is really just, are we thriving? You know, as we are getting to liberation and the notion that we are living in a, in a, a sense of freedom, but there's a sense of unfreedom that we are experiencing, how are we together thriving? Hi, everybody. My name is Jerron Reed Davis. I'm a senior at Michigan State studying political science, pre-law, and human development and family studies. And I am the former president of BSA, which is the Black Students Alliance. Um, I didn't grow up celebrating Juneteenth. I didn't know much about it. And I actually grew up celebrating the 4th of July. Um, But once I got to college and started getting involved in BSA, that is where I learned like about Juneteenth and about what our celebration is supposed to be and when it's supposed to be like not with the red, white and blue, not celebrating a country and an institution that has held us down and has taken us for granted and stuff like that. So I think people should care about Juneteenth and want to uplift Juneteenth because not all people was free when everyone was free. Black people weren't free. We, we're, we're still not free. So this small celebration that we get to have is when we as people got some type of freedom. It was just one step in the steps that we're still taking to become uh, entirely free people. So this small celebration is something big for us. It may not be when everyone was free, but that's because we always have to be last. We always have to be the ones that are enslaved, that are taken for granted, that are pushed around. So this small celebration on Juneteenth is something that's big to us. And that's why people should want to celebrate and care about Juneteenth. Thank you. Hello, everybody. My name is Stratton Lee. I am the president for Michigan State University's Black Faculty, Staff and Administrators Association. When I think about the significance of Juneteenth, Um, I think about it being a celebration of freedom and liberation. Um, It serves as a reminder uh, to our community of the lives that have been lost, um, for those that have fought uh, for freedom and liberation from, uh, you know, coming from the continent of Africa to living their lives here in the U.S., to those of us that are alive um, today, Uh, that this has been a fight for African-Americans for absolute equality of life, rights, and property. Um, And this is our time to even memorialize um, those that have died, um, but also to stand in a forceful protest for those that have killed them. it is a celebration, right? And so um, when we think about liberation and freedom, we think about what does that mean and what does that look like uh, in word, action, and in deed. And so uh, to some of the points that have already been shared, it's important for us to come together at these times to remember our past, to reflect on our shared histories, to learn about our our, our various experiences um, and to come together collectively to identify what we want to do as a community as we move forward. Um, I think it speaks to the resilience of our community um, and the people within it. Uh, And as people talk about this sense of delayed freedom, 
I think that that's a core aspect to this is that um, even with all of the, the signing of various documents, um, you know, the actions that uh, governmental leaders took or local leaders took, there was still a lack of freedom for all of the folks here in the US. Um, and I say all because black people are part of that all, right? And so upon our freedom and liberation, it finally meant that uh, in theory, we are all free. But when you get into what freedom actually looks like, you, you recognize that our history has been found um, or bound to this sense of delightment because um, many in our, in our communities have uh, experienced those long-term impacts of Jim Crow and segregation and black codes and all sorts of things. So even though we have the emancipations, we have the proclamations, we have all this stuff, the 13th Amendment, um, there are those in this nation that have fought tooth and nail to ensure that black folks have never been able to truly experience that sense of freedom. And on these days and these times where we are able to come together as a community, this is our space to celebrate, to, to come together um, and to experience what joys and pleasures we can um, uh, as a people and as a community, uh, which there are many to celebrate and there is much to um, smile about, even though, you know, things look ugly on the outside as well. So this is Chandra and I, and I would like to really um, echo some of the, the comments that Stratton made. To me, this is a celebration of blackness you know, Juneteenth and at MSU on June 19th is called Juneteenth Celebration from Freedom to Liberation. And so this is the first time MSU has hosted a university, a wide uh, celebration to really commemorate the ending of slavery in this country. So this recognition is really huge, you know, for a predominantly white institution. And especially since it's just that, a PWI. And what I'm most thrilled about is the unity across our affiliate groups, which are represented here today, you know, Black Student Alliance, Black faculty, staff, and administrators, of course, Black alumni, and also AAAS, and Black Graduate Student Association as well. But it shows the power and unity, and it clearly shows the institutional synergy as we have our trustee engaged on this level and other leaders across the institution. So the event is going to happen on June 19th from 12 to 2, and more information, including RSUP, is on the website of the Office for Inclusion and Intercultural Initiatives. So this is a true celebration with music, with food, community, and more. This is Tamara Lomax speaking again, and I, I wanted to thank those, um, both Lee and Chandra, for really bringing us back the black joy and bringing in that balance because that's um, very important. You know, I think about the ancestors and I am amazed. I spent like 10 years um, in what we call the stacks in my graduate program at Vanderbilt. And that was enslaved sources, uh, firsthand slave sources. And I've always been amazed at the, all the creative ways in which that the ancestors have made joy and made beauty and make culture in the midst of complete dehumanization, just complete 
uh, demonarchy. I mean, just complete ugly. They've made they've made the space for joy and beauty. Beauty. So I really appreciate um, that being recentered. The other thing that um, I think is worth putting out there, and I think I can't remember who brought this up in terms of the administration. This is wonderful. Um, but you know, at the same time, you know, I am still watching. I'm new to the institution and I am watching um, the institution, you know, daily. We are in AAAS, like, okay, well, what y'all gonna do? Like, I wanna see, you know, not just say, you know, and they may say, well, this, you have the new department, you're hiring these people. Well, it's more than that. I wanna see all the ways that justice and equity and very real ways that center blackness, how they are lived out in terms of politics. So I, I can't say that I'm, you know, I'm seeing that every day. Um, and that is as a new faculty member, right? So I'd like to see how the, I, I'd like to see what next, right? I'd like to see what next and what more. This is a start and it's wonderful um, in terms of acknowledgement, but truth be told, you know, after, you know, America burning last summer, uh, a lot of companies uh, dedicated time and resources and language um, to DEI efforts to, um, black folks and what we are learning now on the back end, uh, now that we're able to see corporate corporate reports, um, and we're also able to see um, the efforts of white allies during that time and how they panned out over time. And that's that you know folks was lying, like they didn't show up in the way that they had promised. So I'm very much interested in how the institution. Um, plans to incorporate, you know, a model in real life, right? So, you know, beyond the celebration, what beyond the building of the department, what is it? What what are the plans? I'm very interested in that because to me, that that should be a part of the efforts. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk about Juneteenth and not talk about all the structural ways that the institution should be. Um, evolving. I was the one who mentioned, you know, I see progress, but I must be yes. clear that I'm not satisfied. So that, that's course. true. I'm, oh, I'm I right got with that you. from you. Absolutely. <laughs> I was, I was standing in agreement. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Jermon, you were trying to talk. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I just wanted to echo that as well, because I think that a lot of what's been happening, like with people trying to step up and be allies and things like that, like it's all good, but the world or social media and the people in charge are trying to make black culture seem like it's something new and it's like something that just happened or that we just made up. Juneteenth has been a thing so I'm not impressed that because of everything that happened last year things are finally starting to happen for black communities. I'm not impressed because these things have been a thing and people have been knowing about them but because we are being killed and we are being the things that are happening to us is finally coming to light that's why people are trying to hop on a bandwagon and say that this is not right it's been not right so yeah i appreciate what's going on and people finally learning and finally highlighting what is happening to black communities but what's next now like what's about to happen now because thanks this was this was cool but what's next this is Chandra. Can I ask one question? Can can Stratton and or Sharon share a little bit more about your organizations and how you all see any movement from freedom to liberation? I would love to hear about that. I can share a little. Um, 
So BSA has been around for over 50 years. We were founded in 1967. And I talk a lot to different like predecessors I've had or different like former and past presidents. And it seems like to me that we've the things that are being accomplished now by my eboards and a couple eboards before me. Um, these are things that we've been asking for. So, for example, we are in the process of finally getting a freestanding multicultural building on campus. This is this has been something that's been asked for by BSA or demanded or requested um, by BSA for over a decade now, I believe. I think I've seen some like documents from the I want to say like 1996 or something like that um, for people asking for a black space, a black building or something like that. Like over time, it's been edited to be a freestanding multicultural building for everybody. But the requesting of black spaces is not a new thing. Like so I'm glad that we're accomplishing it now, but it's it should have been happening. I'm appreciative of this administration for being so open to listen to ideas, but at the same time, it should have been happening. So we are getting things accomplished, but we get a lot of pushback every day about simple things. And it's just because the university likes to push and pull. Like we ask for a mile and they give us an inch and expect us to be satisfied, but we're no longer satisfied with that. So it's just a constant push and pull. Yeah, and this is Stratton. Um... For similarly to um, like Students Alliance, like Faculty Staff Administrators Association um, was formed in 1969, um, initially called the Black Faculty and Administrators Association, um, which, you know, this formation happened in the height of uh, activism on campus and in the midst of uh, the civil rights movement. Um, the association serves as a strong voice and advocate for justice on campus and support for recruitment and success of Black faculty, students, staff, and administrators. Um, through our 52 years, we've worked um, in tandem with the students um, to, and ultimately with our alumni as well, to create space and opportunity to celebrate and acknowledge and support Blackness at MSU. Um, so, for example, we've worked with what was then known as Black Seniors Recognition Day, now the Black Celebratory. Um, we've advocated for Black employees, graduate students, and undergrads um, who are experiencing significant mistreatment and injustices. Uh, we provide space and time for community building for those that feel as if they're isolated on campus as they're working. We work on, you know, black having black representat representatives on um, hiring, promotion, and tenure committees. We recognize and award black leaders through our historical and emerging leaders recognition reception that we've been hosting um, for several years now. We uh, really stand as a collective voice uh, for black MSU when we meet with administrators. Uh, everyone from the president, provost, trustees, uh, deans, chairs, directors, faculty, uh, advisors. Uh, we are actively engaged and involved in the process. I also wanted to attend to something else that uh, I forget who said it, but it, it was making me think about, I think Sharon had pointed to some of it 
um, and Dr. Lomax and Dr. Marshall as well, is this sense of progress um, uh, juxtaposed with trauma. And so one thing I was reflecting on, I was thinking about oftentimes people will say, well, why do you all want to do this? And why do you want to celebrate? And why is it important? And it's history um, or herstory, depending on how you approach this work, right? Um, and so either way, there are many people that have been a part of this, but um, when you think about it, it's still very new and fresh uh, for many of the folks in our communities. My great aunt is 90 some odd years old, right? And so she spoke to her mother and her grandmother, right? And so her grandmother definitely being of age and time where she, she experienced some things uh, that were not so pretty and beautiful, right? Um, and then her mother, right? Um, being an enslaved woman and so, and fathers as well, right? And so when you think about that, the, the direct story narratives, lessons um, that have been passed from generation to generation are really not that far off. I'm talking to my great aunt who's talked to someone who's lived through slavery, right? And so while we read it as history, it's still a very present story and narrative for people that are walking through today who had to learn lessons about how to be safe, how to live their best lives under times of oppression, under and through times of segregation, um, and all types of uh, uh, assaults against the community. I think Stratton, you really summed up beautifully Black joy and the reason that we are celebrating. That, that, that connection to that generational, you know, as it flows through our generation and, and, the, and the levels of it, that we're not too far removed, that's why we're doing this. And so if you can imagine that there's living individuals who have witnessed that experience, that gets to the freedom component and that liberation pathway. Right, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I find that, you know, that is the important and significance of us coming together and doing the work um, that we're doing that, you know, BSA, um, uh, BGSA, BFSAA, MSUBA, AAAS, and on and on and on that we come together and do this work um, because it's still new. It's not a past historic thing. Um, many of us are, are navigating those traumas that have been passed down from generation to generation that have taught us that the fight doesn't stop. That uh, you can take the time to celebrate, but as you celebrate, continue to move forward in advocating for your freedom, your liberty, your justice, your rights, and so on. And so I think that that's an important aspect of this celebration, that it brings us together in a point of joy um, to be reminded that, you know, we are, uh, we are actually a community of people, one people um, that share in, in however you think about this spirit or energies um, that have, um, you know, a, a common ancestry that brought us to this place in this time. And so when we come together, 
we actually, you know, are that vision that those that were, you know, 100 years off, 200 years off, 300 years off, saw being able to walk through and not be scared to, to live and operate in our lives in the ways that we are now, um, so compared to what they had to endure. So as we close, this is Chandra um, coming again. I want us to truly think about what freedom to liberation really looks like. You know, so how does all of our experiences, our positions, our positionings, how does that look? You know, what are we doing to really look at, as I mentioned before, the policies, the practices, the structure, the, the hires, the programming, the funding, the resources, the access, the opportunity. How are we looking at all of these things and holding those who have the decision-making power to ensure that we're getting liberated? I would also like to say a few closing words. And this is Sharon. I was just going to say that I think when I think about the progression of Black people, my outlook on it is appreciate and move forward. So thank you, but what's next? So we have a long way to go still and we have came a long way. So we need to appreciate how far we came, but continue to look forward because if we get complacent or stuck on where we came on, what someone gave us, we won't be able to move forward to the like next steps and find true liberation. So thank you, but what's next? Yeah, I think about, uh, this is Stratton, I think about this is a time for the Black community to come together in joy and gladness, leaving all of those internal conflicts and you know learned helplessness and all that type of stuff behind and finding the strength and excitement of, of being Black in the US. I think about it of being a time where like our, our sister, uh, Maxine Waters, who said, reclaiming my time. This is our time to reclaim our time, to reclaim our joy, reclaim our, our freedoms, reclaim our peace, um, reclaim our power and our energy to, to be us uh, authentically um, and unapologetically. And to be able to do that in what, you know, people will call it traditionally white space, but that we're making um, an inclusive, diverse community each and every day. You know, I just want to affirm um, all that's been said here. Um, my politics is really Sankofa, so I am always looking back in order to look forward. And so sometimes, you know, I um, may dwell uh, in the, um, difficult parts of the past more so than the joy. And I think the key here for Juneteenth is really bringing that balance. I know sometimes um, non-Black folks will see Black folks celebrating and, and thinking that um, they enjoyed their oppression, that we enjoy our oppression. And that is, I wanna make it clear that when we see people celebrating, it is not about an enjoyment of oppression. It is, an it is a sense of finding joy despite it all, right? And I think that really speaks to the resilience of Black folks. And to me, I think that needs to be kind of the centering message of the day, the amazing resilience of Black folks 
then and now um, in a country that still deploys forms of lynching, black codes, voting blocks. I mean, we're seeing voting blocks right now, right? Economic exploitation. All, all of these things still exist. It is, it, it is amazing that Black folks are this res resilient and that they can find joy. And so to me, um, I think the centering message for the day is just the sense of awe around Black folks to find joy despite of it all.